0: If you guys will turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Um, if I had to put a title on this today, if I had to put a title on this, I would say that this is how to find your sweet spot in the kingdom. Finding your sweet spot. Uh, I know a lot of people who are very sincere about their service towards God, who are very committed to going to the house of the Lord and doing exactly what God says, and and yet they have a difficulty in understanding where their sweet spot is. They, you know what a sweet spot is, right? Like if you're a golfer, I don't know if anybody in here is a golfer, there's a sweet spot on the head of the golf club. Um, if you've ever played baseball, softball, there's a sweet spot. If you hit it too far out towards the tip of the bat, if you hit it too close to your hands where you're holding it, it doesn't do the work. Here's, here's what my definition for this morning of sweet spot is going to be. It's where when, when the contact is made, things go farther, things go faster with a minimal amount of effort from us. Okay? When I, when I, when I, when I, if I swing a baseball, if I swing a, a golf club, if I hit it right and I do it right, I maximize all of my effort and it transforms into actual effective work. Sometimes we can work very, very hard. This is a church who knows how to work very, very hard. You guys do more and work more and touch more and in like five minutes on a Sunday than a lot of people. You know how to work hard. What I'm here today to say is I want you to learn how to work in your sweet spot. Are you saying you don't want us to work as hard? Nope, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying I want you to keep working as hard as you are and get more return on what you're doing. Does that make sense? The older I get, the more that I want to work smarter and not just harder. Right? When I was young, I'm, I'm, here's, I, if you don't know me, I'm very, uh, I'm just me. <laughs> here it is. Um, so I'm very open. Very, I'll tell you a lot of things that, I don't know, probably most people, maybe even I shouldn't, but here we go. So just get ready. Uh, when I was younger, I would look at something and go, I can pick that up. You know why? Because I'm big and strong. So I will pick that up. And move it over here. And if there's another thing like that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come over here, I'm going to pick that one up, and I'm going to move it over here. I'm getting older. I'm going to go find me a cart now. And I'll pick those things up and put them on the cart. And then wheel them over there. I'm still getting the same work done, right? But I'm starting to figure out where my strength is best used. And where I'm just wasting energy. Okay? So we want to find our sweet spot and the kingdom, we want to find out exactly what God has called us to do. I don't want to do anything else. When I first got saved and when I was younger, I wanted to be a master of all things. <laughs> now I'm like, Lord, if I can just get decent at one thing, I'd be really excited, you know? And it's kind of funny today because I'm doing the worship and the preaching. It's like, I, that's, that was out of need. Because I'm completely good at this point in my life for coming and just being with you and just listening to you because I'm starting to figure out how to work and get the maximum return for what God has created me to do. Can you, can you just sense in what I'm saying there's some freedom there? There's some lightness to your soul? Hey, guys, we're going to work hard. This is the kingdom. This isn't a country club. We're going to work. So we might as well enjoy it while we're doing it. We, we might as well get a great return for our labor so that we do not labor in vain, right? So take a look at first. Uh, Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians 12. We'll kind of bounce around a little bit. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to this. Let's start in verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be ignorant. Or as my dad used to say, ignorant. Ignorant. Right? Don't want you to be Uninformed. Because there's a lot of people who are uninformed. We're not saying they're stupid. There's not a lack of intelligence. It's just, hey, I didn't get that memo. I didn't get that. My bad. I, I missed. Have you ever walked into a room like, I hate it when I, uh, like, being underdressed. I remember, like, hey, this is a formal thing. Ooh. I walked in. They had asked me to do uh, opening blessing at a banquet one time. It was a, actually, it was a gala. I should have known because it was a gala that I should have dressed up more. But I had slacks on and like a sports coat, so I wasn't like a slouch, but I walked in and everybody was like, it was like a black tie. And I was like, oh. I was ignorant. I was uninformed. I hate that feeling. The Bible says, hey, we don't want you to feel that way. You know that when you were pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols, things that were ineffective, Right? Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. They can say it all they want, but there's no meaning behind it unless the Holy Spirit is quickening that. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Let's take a look at, let's go back at verse four. Have you ever read that? I've read this passage a bunch. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. And go on to the next one. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And then the next one. There are different kinds of working. You know what I always read that as? Like it's all the same thing. Like a repetition of the same thought. Is the way that it always was coupled and grouped. I had one big glob of that in my brain. But really what it says is there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit that distributes them. There are different things that we can do. What you can do. Everybody say what. What. We can all have different kinds of the what that we can do. What can you do? I don't know. What can you do? The Bible says that there are different what's that can happen, but the same Spirit. Verse 5 says there are different kinds of service. There are gifts, but then there's a service. A service to me is the what. That's combined with a who. Everybody say who. Service. Who are you serving? We had a prison team that went out this morning like they normally do, right? Yes. Powerful time in the prisons. Making an impact. That is them taking a gift, maybe for learning how to teach or preach or, or outreach, or whatever, whatever it is, the specific gift, and there's a who combined with it. They're having a Service. We have a church service because we all get together so that we're operating in our gifts, but there's a who involved, but the same Lord. Verse 6 says, there are different kinds of working. So if we've got a what and we've got a who, to me, the different kinds of working is the how. How? How are you going to do this? We could choose to do it a lot of ways, right? We could start off with preaching and do worship at the end. We could, there's a lot of hows, and a lot of people in a lot of different circles get caught up on the how. How are you doing that? How? How? Ooh, I don't like the way you do that. I think your service, song service, is too long. I think it's too short. I think blah, 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 blah. Different kinds of gifts, same spirit. Different kinds of service. Who is God calling you to reach? Maybe you're particularly gifted. Of course, we want to reach everybody. Yes. Sometimes we, we lose some of our effectiveness. We lose our sweet spot if we're just random. Yeah. If we just go out there, maybe you're a gift. You're highly in, intelligent. You've been highly educated. And you can really talk to a group of engineers. Maybe you could, I mean, I'm not trying to narrow it down quite that much, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, who, who do you seem to attract in your life? Who do you seem to get around and they just enjoy being around you? For me, I was a teacher and a principal for a long time. Guess what? Everywhere I'd go, you know who I'd find? I'd find teachers. And they would all kind of, I'd have a lot of friends who were teachers. After I got out of teaching, you know who I kept having friends with? Teachers. It's not the only group. I'm not going to limit what God's going to do. But I understand that there's a gift and there's a service. There's a what and there's a who. Why am I going to run from, the, from either one? And then there's different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. In other words, Amen. let God work some of this out. Amen. Don't stress yourself out about what somebody else is doing or who they're doing it for or how they're doing it. Right? We're not talking about someone who's in sin or not. We're talking about someone who's trying to find their sweet spot. How about you just encourage them? Yeah. Let's pray for them. Let's give them a word of wisdom. Let's do something, but let's keep people moving forward in these things because it's different. We understand that it's different when we talk about things like this. We go, yep, different gifts, yep, different service, yep. But in real life, you know what we do? We make it difficult because we really, we either do this, and we're going to see scriptures of this here in just a second. We either put ourselves down that we can't do what someone else can do, or we exalt ourselves because they can't do what I can do. The human part of us, not your redeemed spirit part, of course. We're all much more mature than that. (laughs) Of course we are. Just trying to be real here. Because I want you to find your sweet spot. Verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Everybody say common good. Common. Common, everyone. If you have a gift, it's to be used for the common good. We live in a day and a time where if you have a gift, what do people do? They monopolize on that gift and use it completely for themselves. Doesn't mean that God didn't give the gift. Just because somebody's misusing it. Yep. To each one, the manifestation. The manif- have, you ever seen, have you ever seen a child manifest? <laughs> right? And you're like, ooh, hello, little human nature tucked away in that little child. My sweet little angel that now has become, you know, I've said this before, probably maybe even here and I'm sorry if you think less of me after this, I like the movie Incredibles. Just saying. Just saying. I know that's not super spiritual. It's a kid movie. You're right, but I love it. Okay? And one of the things, one of the things I love about it is, that, um, is, is the, the family. The family's really kind of, like it's brilliant if you think about it. The dad, a little overweight, <laughs> super strong, From a kid's perspective, what else is dad other than the strongest person in the world, right? And you got a mom, what does she feel like? She feels stretched all over the place, right? Right? Trying to handle kids and, oh my God, you know? You're like, oh, that's genius. You've got some preteen teen teen girl that wishes she could be invisible. (sighs) I don't want to be seen. You've got some little hyperactive boy. (laughs) right? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, simmer down, just simmer down, and you've got this baby, and maybe you didn't catch it when you, now everybody's gonna go Netflix, like, yay! Uh, the baby does what? In the movie, the baby keeps changing, and sometimes it's this little angelic creature, and then in the movie, right, it turns in this lead weight, <gasps> Carry a baby for more than five minutes. Sometimes you're like, "Oh my gosh, this little baby feels like they weigh 47 pounds." You know, <laughs> right? Sometimes it turns into a ball of fire. Have you ever held a baby and you're like, oh, "I'm sweating. What is, what is this going on?" And then one of them it throws a fit and it turns into this little demon kind of creature, <laughs> <Rah>! <laughs> pulling out the guy's hair, and you're like, "Oh, I've seen that. <laughs> That's my life." <laughs> you know, I just love, I just think it's I think it's neat. But the manifestation of the Spirit. In the movie, the baby manifested. (laughs) Right? The outward working of what's on the inside of the Spirit. The Spirit, when it manifests, amazing things happen. Healings come. The word that was spoken over you when you were a child in the wrong kind of way that has bound you up to certain things. You're liberated. Those internal voices that keep you from actually moving forward and finding your sweet spot, when the manifestation is given, those things can fall away because it's for the common good. Let's keep reading. <clears throat> Verse 8, to, to one there is given through the Spirit, <laughs> glad they clarify some of these things, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. Same team, man. Same team. Right? If you ever played basketball, baseball, you got to figure out who's going to get the ball. you got to there's a process by which you can call other people off so you don't run into each other. Sometimes as Christians, we never develop the system to be able to call somebody off. No, I got it. right? All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes it. I love this. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. If you've ever had a jealous bone in your body for even a second, man, I wish I could. And then you fill in the blank. Okay, we've all been there. You forgot this first though because it's it's God through his spirit that has gifted you the way that you need to be gifted. Um, let me just take the pressure off. You don't have to be the whole body all by yourself. You don't have to function in all areas of the body all by yourself. That's not the way any of us are designed. Um, what is it? Is it Exodus 6 where he talks about look, I'm going to call you out and I'll redeem you and I'll deliver you and all these things. And What does he say? I will make you my people. God doesn't turn to them and say, I will make you my person. He says, I will make you my people. It, the reason he used the example of a body is because it has many members, but it's one. It's many functioning pieces that it, when it works together, Judah's in the hospital because he has had an injury in one part of his body. Big old strong, muscled up dude. Guess what? One injury. Now we're having to figure out how to fix one small area in his body. Right? It's, it's many members, but it's one. But it's many. you got to have, I think the last time I was here, maybe on a Wednesday night or something, we talked about the both and kind of principle of this thing. <laughs> we're both one, and we're, and we're also many that have to function as one. But you can't lose the many. You've got to remember the unity, but you can't lose the diversity. You've got to have it working in all these cases. And sometimes when I get my thinking out of order, I've leaned too much towards one versus the other. I've leaned too much towards the oneness, the unity of the body, and I forget about the beauty of the diversity. I, I've leaned so much towards diversity that I forget about the unity. Right? So let's keep going. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Is this making sense? I hope it is. I'm a teacher, this is where we're going to kind of flow today. So 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 12, just as the body is a unit, it has many parts, the unity and the diversity, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Is it interesting to you that basically this whole chapter is about this one principle, right? There's a whole chapter in the Bible dedicated to telling you what, your body, what the body is all about. That's a lot of scripture for what we're talking about today. All at one place, all at one time. Must be that this is an important principle for us to get. And it must be, if we're not careful, we look at it like, yeah, I got it, body, yep, works together, cool. Bing, bing, bing. And we don't allow the depth of the beauty of what God is saying to really get to us. We pass over it too quickly. Oh, I know how the body works. Hmm. I don't know. It's pretty intricate. There's things that medical science. There's a reason that they call it practicing medicine, because sometimes they don't get it right. For all that easy, we wouldn't need all these doctors doing ten years of study. And I'm, I, I honor, I'm not being negative against that. I'm just saying it's a little bit more involved than what we think sometimes. Verse thirteen: For we are, we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body. There's a baptism that's required to form the body right. Huh. Okay. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter your ethnicity. Doesn't matter any about about any of those things. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not the hand. Now, we're gonna change this in a minute, we're gonna try to make it very practical, right? I've read these scriptures before and I've missed some things until just recently. That's why I'm trying to share them. You guys probably already know them because y'all are smart, but here we go. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If someone were to say, uh, well, verse 60 I'm sorry. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Let's, let's go back just a little bit. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, then I don't belong to the body. That is the equivalent of saying, I'm in a church, if I don't get to speak, if I'm not a teacher, then I shouldn't be a part of the body. If, if, I, if I wish God would give me a gift of worship or prophecy or whatever it is, if there's these things and we look at it and we're going, hey, if I'm not that, then I'm not worthy to be here. There's an insecurity that sets in. One of the things that we really have to work very hard to do is to fight against insecurity. We have to fight against insecurity. Now, again, I know, you know, as believers that seems like it's a very elementary thing, can I encourage you? You gotta fight your insecurities. You got to. There's a lot of people with a lot of insecurities and it gets into, and there's a lot of people who love Jesus and are controlled by their insecurities. Here's, here's a few things that I thought about to give you signs of maybe if you're operating in, in insecurity. And some of these are really, really obvious, but um, if you're insecure, you work hard to get, you, you work very hard to get the credit. Something else goes on, you want to make sure that I knows, hey, I was there. right? You work really, really hard to get the credit. If you're completely insecure, you work hard to get all of the good credit, even if you didn't do it. Have y'all ever had that happen on the job? I've had that happen. Like, I worked on this thing, and I worked really hard, and then I submitted it to them, and they, it's almost like they went and erased my name off of it and used it as theirs. What? That ain't right. uh, And you either blow up, or you draw a line in the sand, or you quit, or you just mumble. Why? Because you're dealing with people with insecurities. What else? Uh, You also get really good at passing the blame. What's one of the trademarks of a person who's immature? Let's just say a child. I didn't do it. (laughs) He did it. It was my sister it was my brother right they want to you want to throw somebody under the bus i call it the bus ministry <laughs> cuz you will run somebody over with that bus man and then you back up <laughs> you know you will throw somebody on the bus in a hurry if you're insecure you know what what secure people do they'll take the blame they'll take the wrong sometimes even if it wasn't really theirs so uh, i got to preach this Wednesday night at our church and and there was literally so on one of the points, they misspelled the word. I submitted it to the people. I mean, we have, you know, it's a big group. I emailed it to them. They worked on it. They got it put in. And I get to the last point of the message, and the word is misspelled. And I, and I look up on the screen, and I was like, I think that word's misspelled. And they're like, it is. We thought you used to be a principal. And I was like, I, I, I'm not the one that typed it in. I submitted it correctly. It was correct in my notes. <laughs> human error. It's just human error. It's no big deal, you know. Wasn't it reverse spell check? You know, the spell check didn't put it on incorrectly. You know, so I'm sitting there and I was like, well, that's kind of funny. I could either throw some faceless, nameless person, you know, under the bus from from the back, or just like, well, now I didn't I didn't admit to something that I didn't do, but I was like, you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that because I don't want to blame anybody in the back. Literally, like in front of, we're having this discussion <laughs> with a whole room full of people. It's like, hey, look, I'm, I'm secure enough. I literally, I had somebody after, was like, I thought you were a principal. No. <laughs> 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 this is church. Okay. Um, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? When you don't understand your sweet spot, you lose functionality in the body. If you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, there's a lack of function that happens in the body. If you're an ear that's worried about being an eye, and you're all caught up about having a different gift than what God has given you because maybe it's more popular, or you value it more somehow in your head than what God has given you, which is not unusual, by the way, right? right? We always look at what we have, and we, according to this, we're the foot, and we look at the hand and say, ugh. Right? The Bible's saying that this is a type of a person right here. And we devalue what God has given us, and, and we, we covet what someone else has. Verse 18, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You are here in this place, just as he wanted you to be. He has given you the skill set. He has given you the ministry and the service just as he wanted it to be. Until you can get calm enough, until you can quiet your spirit enough, you are literally challenging God's plan for your life. No matter how much you read, no matter how much you study and pray, you're fighting with God when you don't understand who he's called to be. <clears throat> Verse 19, if they were if if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. How many times has it said that in this passage, right? You getting in yet? Many members, one body. One body, many members. Another part of the fighting the insecurity is this. Um, <laughs> you get easily offended when you're insecure. You ever been around somebody who just gets offended at nothing? What? <laughs> my father passed away a few months ago and I had a relative that got offended that she was not included in the funeral making plans. I was like, hold up a second. My dad, I'm actually carrying out exactly what he asked me to do. And she didn't get mad at me. She got mad at my mom. It's like, hold up how are you getting offended over, you're not even a part of this. You're vaguely associated. You're you're kind of on the periphery here. Sometimes we get on the periphery of a decision and if we're not careful, if we're not secure in who we are, we think we should be in the middle of every decision that's trying to be made. We think somebody owes us to have our opinion given. Ah, that's not even right. It's not that we want our opinion given. That's why we want our opinion taken. I want you to pay attention to my opinion. I want, you to do, I want you to hear me and do something about it. Well, I want you to do it the way that I think you want to do it, right? <laughs> it's more specifically. We got to fight insecurity. You can't be, if you're, and this is, a, this is not the type of church where you're going to last very long if you get offended, right? You're just not going to be able to stick around, Amen. right? And that's the way we like it. Um, Matthew chapter 13, verse 53, says this. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. They took offense at Jesus for being who he was. They allowed the commonality of knowing who his daddy was. I know your daddy. Your brother's right over there. We know your sisters. Aren't you the carpenter's boy? They allowed what they saw to place Jesus in a place of commonality. Just common. Every day. Right? And and they took offense. When we When we don't value who Jesus is, it's easy for us to get offended. And maybe you're mature enough that you don't say it out loud. But we walk around and kind of grumble and mumble and keep these offenses there. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says this. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It is to your glory. Let me say this for this type of a church here. Someone should be able to try to offend you. And you have enough sense about you not to get offended. Um, my wife and I have been married for over 17 years. Yeah, I married way up, right? You know, We are to the point now, we were talking about this the other day. We will say it because it's encouraging. I have no questions in my heart whether my wife is for me or not. If I get offended at something my wife says to me, it really just reflects more about who I am at that moment than it does about her. I know she's on my team. She knows that I'm on her team. I have nothing but good for her. Even when I make a mistake, my heart is only to help, my heart is only to bless. Don't be offended. Another thing when we're insecure is we don't recover very quickly. Get injured, you get hurt, you get tired. When we're insecure, we don't. you recover very slowly. That was actually part of the deal with Judah this week. Like, why isn't he healing faster? It was actually showing that there was a deeper problem that had not been resolved, and that's why he wasn't healing faster. Let me encourage you. In the body of Christ, as believers, if we're in our sweet spot, if we're walking with maturity... We should be able to get over things fairly quickly. Whatever that would be. The smaller the thing, the quicker we should get over it. If you have to walk around your house for three or four days because you're still mad at your wife from something that happened earlier, you're probably not walking in maturity yet. Get over it. Move on. Get healed. Um. Another thing that we do sometimes is we can't truly celebrate the victories of others. You should be able to be so excited when something good happens to somebody. We moved to Austin about almost four years ago now, and it took three and a half years to sell the house that we had in Louisiana. Three and a half out of the barely almost four years that we've been gone. Do you know who should be the best at praying for people to get a new house? Us. Because we know that that was not nice. And God was good to us, and he provided, and amen. But you know what? I want to celebrate. You know, we're gonna, we'll pray. If you need to sell your house, we're going to pray for you. <laughs> you, know? you know why? Because we know what it's like. We want to be able to celebrate. How is it that we expect God to entrust to us the things that we can't celebrate in other people? We look at somebody maybe who's in a better financial state than us, and we go, we get mad on the inside because we're not like them. How, you want God to entrust you with more resources and you can't be happy for the people who have it? Well, that's silly. You want God to be able to entrust you with more responsibility in the house of God, but you can't be happy when someone gets up and speaks or leads a group or preaches or prays and something good happens? You can't be happy for them, but you want God to give you more? That shows a lack of understanding of the true body of Christ. By the way, god it's not like it's a pie. It's not like there's one pie that God cuts a piece and gives it. To, if I'm going to give a piece of the pie to Mike, if I give him that piece, then what the, the natural, the human thinking is now there's less for everyone else. So if God gives him something nice, well, then I'm really worried that he won't, he won't be able to give me something nice. He'll just run out at some point. No, that's not how this works. It's not a pie. This is the body of Christ. If he's healthy, then I'm healthy. If he's prospering, then I'm prospering. If you're pro- I want you to prosper. I don't have to fight you about it. I want to celebrate it in you. Hey, if you get better, if you, if you know more than me, praise God. You're, not my, I'm not, you're on the same team. I'm not competing against you. Right. Be anointed. Right. Be godly. It's not like there's a limited supply and we're going to run out. Right. Oh, wow, you know more scripture than I do. I guess, I guess there's no more scripture to learn. Right. Wait, What? What? Man, you had some discernment there. That was awesome. Guess there's less discernment for me to have? Why am I so offended at you? Just, man, I want you to do it. Be everything that God has called you to be. Don't hold back. Don't let somebody else hold you back. Find your sweet spot. Because if you're in your sweet spot, you're going to be making it look easy. Even if you're like well, yeah, the little duck, you know, floating across the water, nice and smooth. What's going on underneath? Ha, ah! ha, ha. Even if you're kicking. Even if you're kicking under the water, man. I like the fact that it looks smooth. I'm going to enjoy that it looks smooth. Oh, God, help me. Just keep looking smooth, baby. It's all right. Come on. Paddle. Paddle for all you're worth. Right? God won't entrust to you that which you cannot celebrate in others. Another thing, so we've got to fight insecurity. We've got to eliminate comparison. You've got to eliminate Comparing yourselves with other people. The foot says to the hand is being, you being insecure. You're looking at some, what somebody else has and you don't think that you have. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 4 says this. Each one should test their own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing him, himself to anyone else. Um, the thing that I've been thinking lately is, just, is this. You've got to stay in your lane this comparison idea, just stay in your lane. Have you ever had someone like you're trying to do something and it's just, it's not even, it's not in their job description. It's not in their purview. It's none of their business. And they're trying to tell you how to handle your own business. Ooh. I had my, <laughs> in our house, uh, sometimes I'll have my four-year-old try to tell me where to turn when I'm driving. I get a twitch, I'm like, uh, I got it, I got this, hang on, right, we don't want (laughs) to, stay in your lane, you run your race, it's hard enough to run your race as it is, why are you going to be trying to worry about somebody else's race and try to run their race, try to look at them and go, oh, you ain't running your race right, seriously, seriously, you're looking at me, telling me I'm not all, you're all out of your lane now. In your realm of authority that God has given you, there's a lane. There's a place, there's a field to work, yes. Don't go in somebody else's field. Don't sit, don't sit on the fence line and critique them how they're doing on their field. Huh. Using a shovel. So stupid. I got me a tractor on mine. Stop. Quit worrying about somebody else's field. How much How much energy have, we, especially when you're young, how much energy do you waste just comparing everything? You're so worried about everybody else. Just, just, I'm trying to get you free here, folks. Just stop. We know in our brain that we're not supposed to, and guess what we do? We all do it. Um, So David is there. He's about to be, um, Samuel's coming to anoint someone from the house of Jesse to be king. tells Jesse to go get all of his sons. He forgets one. Right. All his sons. <laughs> Goes all the way through all of them, right? What what does the scripture say though? It says that man looks at the out, out outward appearance and God looks at the heart. Amen. Man looks at the outward appearance. Doesn't say he should, doesn't say he shouldn't, it just says God just like that's how people work. We look at the outside. We judge things in a shallow way. And God looks at the heart. Just run your race. Just stay in your lane. Verse, uh, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Okay, you remember the foot and the hand? So the foot was saying, Oh, I'm not that. I have to wear these socks. We <laughs> put in these stuffy things called shoes. I'm not cool like the hand. This is the eye saying to the hand, something important about the hand. I don't know what it is. So this is something else that looking is now looking down on someone. Never caught that the other day. Until just the other day. I was like, I've read it and I was in my and again, in my brain, this and the other one were the same thing. Great, I'm one part and I don't need. But one is coming from a place of you're putting yourself down, you're depressing yourself, and the other one is you're elevating yourself. Yeah. When you compare yourself, that's the only two choices you have. You either feel bad about yourself or you elevate yourself beyond your status and you start running in someone else's lane. The eye says to the hand, hey, I don't need you. Head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I'm smart. I'm the brain. Yeah, bro, you ain't going nowhere, though. <laughs> <laughs> you can be as smart as you want. You ain't going nowhere, Right? We appreciate what God is doing. The Bible also tells us in Romans chapter 14, and uh, let's just start in verse 4. It says this, who are you to judge someone else's servant? I'm going to look at this from two perspectives here in just a second. Who are you? Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or he falls. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Obviously, we're not wanting anybody to fall, right? So in case you were wondering, it just kind of cleared that up for you. Who are you to judge someone else's servants? Either when you look at someone else and you start perceiving whether they should or shouldn't be, you start judging them for something that God has called them to do, or this, you start judging yourself. I'm someone else's servant. We start getting this, this judgmental attitude against our own progress. I tend to be my worst enemy. I tend to, to outthink myself and kind of put myself in knots where it, makes, it takes away the clarity. Who am I to judge someone else's servant? To my own master, I'm either going to stand or fall, and he wants to help me stand. He doesn't want me to fall. I don't need to compare myself with anyone else. Verse 5, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Hmm. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die... Kind of summing it up for you, right? In case you missed that part, let me go ahead and say it again. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. He is the master that has to approve of the servant. People get afraid that if you don't call out something sometimes, that it just won't happen. The best thing that we can do is just live exactly the way that God is calling us to live Will we need to speak to people and correct sometimes? Of course you will. We're not against that. I'm not against that. What I'm saying is, let's do it in the sweet spot kind of way. I have a, I'm part of a public school system um, there in the Austin area, and they asked me to come in, the principal of the school, and I get to come in and do monthly devotionals with the faculty. Um, I also have a kid, one kid, a third grader that I mentor. So I show up once a week and I hang out with him at lunch and um, he has started coming to the church that I I serve at. I never mentioned the first word about it. I never told him, hey, I'm a pastor on staff. Come on, get it together, kid. Little eight-year-old, you know, whatever. Like, I, I never said anything to him. We want to be able to go out and make a great impact witnessing. I'm just saying, when we're living the way we're supposed to, there is something savory about what we say. When you do add the words to being who you are, that's where you get some real effectiveness to your ministry. It's a reflection of who you are. I don't have to try to convince you of anything. I'm just going to be who I am, and I trust that God is going to use that to be effective in the world around me. Again, I want want to understand there's a balance to that. I'm not saying don't talk. There's there's been a phrase that's been used a lot lately, um, or in the past couple years, something to the effect of, um, "I'll witness constantly and I'll use words when necessary." That sounds really neat. I'm not sure that that's completely scriptural. Right? With our heart we believe, and with our mouth we confess. There's some there's some part of this. I'm just trying to give you. There's a sweet spot to it. Have it be from who you are, not comparing yourself to anybody else, and I promise you, you'll be more effective on it. Um, back to 1 Corinthians so we can kind of finish this up. Uh, let's start in verse 22. 1 Corinthians 12, 22. It says this, On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Everybody say Indispensable. indispensable. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. If you always have always viewed your, yourself as being less honorable in the kingdom, less special, less talented, less on the surface, right? The things that you see are technically the least parts of, least important parts of your body as a general rule. You can't see my brain. You can't see my heart. If you do, there's we've got a pretty significant problem going on, right? Those things they're internal. Sometimes in our culture, we want to have we we look at a very visual place and say that's the only place that God really values. I'm saying quite the opposite. If you're if you're a muscle, if we're going to use this body example, if you're a muscle like a a bicep or a tricep or, you know, quad, you've got some of you have power to be able to lift heavy things. Well, then do that. Be a pillar. Be rock solid. Some of us are only small muscles that help in the process of getting someone to smile. If you try to operate by yourself, what is that? You just start twitching, right? (laughs) You're like, whoa, that's weird. (laughs) People who can make their eye, you know, flutter around or whatever, and you're like, that's strange, right? Why? Because it's one singular thing trying to operate in in a way that's out of alignment with what it naturally is, right? On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Verse 23, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, our world system does it the opposite. Right? The presentable parts we give honor to, the less presentable parts, instead of treating with modesty and with honor, we dishonor. Why? Because we can't put you up on a stage. This is not a face for TV. Just saying. You know, if it's not that, then we, we try to dishonor it. And it's the opposite of the way that God's kingdom works. So there should be, um, verse 24, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. If you feel like you're a lacking part, I'm gonna tell you that God has probably given you more honor. You're more needed than you think. You're more special than you think. You're more honored by God than you think. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. It doesn't say that every part is honored. It says that every part rejoices. This is not about equality here. God is not an equal person. He's always fair and he's always right. He doesn't treat us equally, right? right? People do that. They try to teach their kids that equal is the best way to go. Equal is not the best way to go. You've been serving on your job for 40 years. You want somebody to get equal pay and equal responsibility to you? You know, we don't really want equality. What we want is righteousness. What we want is fairness. What we want is God to be at work in us. I don't need it to be equal. I'm not a kid. I can understand that somebody needs honor, and I don't have to have the I don't have a have to have a birthday present at your birthday party. <laughs> if you do that praise, you know, for the kids, I get it, right? That's the way we do it nowadays. We have somebody in over for our child's birthday. Party And what do we do? We give them presents to go home with. That's our culture. I'm not against it. My wife does it. It's okay. Relax. Relax. Right? What well, I'm saying is if one part suffers, what happens? We all should suffer. It's interesting that, that we all are a part of that. We should feel that. If one part is honored, we should all rejoice. Again, can I celebrate when something good happens to JJ? I better be able to. I better be able to. Can I I do that with John? Absolutely, man. I I want, do it. I will rejoice with you. I will cheer you on. I will try to make sure that you get every ounce of energy and every ounce of strength out of you finding that sweet spot. Man, I love it. It's not taken away from me when you get honored. It's just God being good, right? Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of the Christ, body of Christ. Who's the head? Jesus? What a trick question, sorry. Uh, Not sure. Now, you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, gifts of healings, of helping, guidance, different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do I have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? These are gifts specifically that's talking about. We want to have everyone in this kind of a church. We want to have everybody be able to speak in tongues. We would love, we want to encourage prophecy done in the right manner. The Bible says to the very next verse, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. You know what I think is interesting in that? I will show you the most excellent way. You know, what's funny. If I'm a part of the body, if I'm a, if I'm a, A hand, I'm geared to be a certain way. I'm most specifically equipped to do a certain thing. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. The gifts what? The gifts that are for the common good. The gifts that will encourage people. The gifts that will cause other people to to grow in their calling. Eagerly desire those things. Lord, I love it. If you have a desire to be able to prophesy, that's good. There's certain things that have to be done in order to make sure that we are keeping with, with, with order and decency and all kind of things. But that's good. Go. Grow in that. Prophesy to your family. Start there. Look at the mirror. Prophesy to yourself. <laughs> you, know, you know? Always good prophecies then. Lastly here, the last part of how, we find, how we're um, finding our sweet spot is that we just have to be ridiculously obedient. We just really have to be ridiculously obedient. If he's called you to do something, just go do it. I know that sounds simple, right? No earth-shattering thing there. So many people look at it and decide at some point that the cost is too great, that the obedience is just too much and they can't handle it. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and then we'll close. 1 Samuel chapter 15. You got one person there? Okay. Just checking. First um, Samuel 15. So this is, this is Saul coming through. God has told him to wipe out the Amalekites, Amalekites, everything, everybody given a very clear instruction. What does Saul do? Doesn't do exactly what he's told, right? Verse 7, 1 Samuel 15, verse 7, it says this, Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs. Everything that was good. (laughs) Everything that was good. It's easy to justify a lack of full obedience. Our human nature wants to justify when we don't do it the way that God has really said. As adults, we get really good at being able to do that. But Saul and the, um, um, these were these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. God had told them to destroy everything. And they kind of started to pick and choose. Uh, this is kind of nice. Like we could like use this. Right. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Verse 12. Early in the morning Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument. What? In his own honor. And has turned and gone down to Gilgal. Not only. Do we as human beings want to not be fully obedient to God? We want to figure out a way to say that we did the right thing. We want a way to be able to memorialize the fact that we have now not completely obeyed God. Well, look, God has blessed me. I have a great job. No, God told you to move over here. You think that amount of money is going to... You're building a monument. Hey, look at my house. Look at my car. You're building a monument to yourself, and you're not being fully obedient to him. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. I did what what I was supposed to. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers, (laughs) speaking of backing the bus up over someone, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep, right? All this language, right? They spared from the cattle to sacrifice the Lord, your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. The part that was obedient, he took credit for. The part that was disobedient, he made it about other people. That's human nature. (laughs) Look what I did do that was right. Yeah, but let's focus on this other part. Verse 16, Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people. Amalekites, make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back King Agag. I did what the Lord said and I didn't do what the Lord said. The soldiers took sheep and cattle, again with the soldiers, uh, from the plunder of the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Yeah. Here's what we're in. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. I am the type of person who believes truthfully, my own nature, is I believe that sacrifice is better than obedience. That's how I'm wired. That is not correct, in case you didn't catch that part. I usually think that the sacrifice is more important than obedience. Nope. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I want to go out on the water if God is calling me, but the whole point is is he's got to call me out there and I'll go do it. Sometimes we put these things in reverse order. We get excited about all these other acts of faith, and we think that if we duplicate them, we get the same honor and reward. No, what brings the honor and the reward is just simple obedience to what God is doing. It's simple, but it requires us being all out for him. I just want to encourage you guys today, just in, just as we close... Um, simple things, right? Don't be insecure. Quit comparing yourselves to other people. Be ridiculously obedient. That's how you can help find your sweet spot. We need more people operating in their sweet spot. This church needs more people, more of you to operate in your sweet spot. For some of you, You need to quit looking at someone else and thinking that you don't have what they have, so therefore you shouldn't be a part of this. For some of you, you should quit looking at people and going, You don't have what I have, you're disqualified. Be who you're called to be. There's an effectiveness, a fervency that comes there that's better than anything else. Uh, Don't worry about the timing of things either. Don't worry about the timing. I think I should be promoted. I think I should be doing this. I think I ought to get here. I think this needs to happen. I am ready. I'm ready for it. Can I just encourage you when you're ready? And when the thing is ready, God, there's nothing on this planet that can stop you from getting where you need to go. Just like there's not a a pie issue where if somebody else gets something good that I have to get less. That's not the case. Neither, neither is it the case that you are losing and wasting time. Seriously? You serve the God that is not bound by time. We're like, I got to get on this thing. I'm X number of years old. Don't worry about the timing. Worry about serving in your sweet spot. Let him take care of the timing. You can be, you can be an overnight success in the kingdom. Which means What? means you're on the backside of the desert somewhere taking care of sheep for 40 years and then you're the king of everything. Then you'll be the ruler of everything. Overnight success. David became king when? Not only when he was crowned, he became king when he was worshiping God in complete isolation. When he was serving and only taking care of sheep and no one else saw him and even his own father forgot to bring him in when the prophet had come to town, that's when he became king. That's when he developed the heart that was just like God's heart. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. I just want to encourage you guys in that. I just feel like there's some folks that are waiting on things. I don't know. I don't know enough stories. I just kind of float in and float out here. I don't know any specific thing. I'm just saying, don't worry about the timing. You can't control that anyway. It's ineffective work. Swinging and hitting the bat, hitting the ball way out on the end. Even if you do get contact, <laughs> you either cause some shock waves into what you're holding on to, but it won't drive it with power. You won't come out launched with power if you're messing with things like that. Let God take care of that. Amen. Just serve in your sweet spot.